0: This podcast is brought to you by Rehoy and Son, big supporters of local sport. Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Football Podcast. Thanks again to Rehoy and Son for their support of the show. Uh, Coming up this week, we'll look back on another decisive weekend in the FNB Premier league Rovers taking a big step towards um, sealing the title with victory over St. Martin's Uh, reflections on that game to come we'll also be talking refereeing with Brent Blondel and Tom Strawbridge Um, two sides of the experience coin I guess uh, you could say as far as refereeing is concerned Um, but both um, very enthusiastic about their craft and a really interesting chat um, to come with them and we'll also talk about everything else that's been going on in local football Uh, I'm Tony Kerr and with me this week it's gareth the bravo hi
1: tony hey gareth and james faller hi tony Good and to see you. can i just say tony thank you for uh, for appearing and presenting the show today because i was concerned that with you playing yesterday that you might bring the game into disrepute and we might have to take you off the show so uh, I'm, I'm relieved to see that uh, that, that you passed that uh, ability test and are here today so thanks for that well, well i was quite
0: pleased to receive a text message from you at about 11 o'clock last night saying you played well today tony <laughs> yeah, I'd keep I'd keep that one and frame it, Tony. Yeah. That was you. <laughs> you were that desperate, were you, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> no, good uh, good run out for Indies, uh, a four-one defeat um, uh, down at Portsmouth, and um, that's where we begin is at Portsmouth because it was a busy um, weekend down there. Uh, Rovers one 0 winners over Saints um, in the FNB Premier League. Rovers rivals kind of running out of road. Gareth, how big a step towards sealing that title was that victory? Um, it was very big, Tony.
2: You could just tell by the whole reaction of the of the Portsmouth faithful down there that that was a very significant victory. Um, to be fair, 1-0 is flattering on Saints, to be fair. Rovers were Undoubtedly, the better side. They thoroughly deserved the three points. They should have scored probably three or four in the second half alone. I think Charlie Platt would have been holding an inquest after the game with his teammates as to why they weren't getting on the end of most of his crosses, which um, should have been put away. But it was very much um, a deserved win for Rovers, um, given to them by Blair Howitt's goal midway through the first half. It was a very typical Blair Howitt a goal, sort of all about power and um, direct running straight at sort of. Um, St. Martins played a nice one too with Martin Savadon and tucked it away really nicely. Um, And yeah, after that, I must admit, I mean, St. Martins, to be fair to them, they had a a very weakened squad from what they usually have available. They they didn't really have many options off the bench either to change it. So um, they were up against it almost as soon as you saw the team sheets. But... um, I thought their sort of their lack of reaction, having got through the first half where they were playing into the wind and only one down. I thought I was expecting more from them after the break, and it just never really materialised. So um, yeah, it was a a big win for for Rovers, and just sort of talking to Kevin Galliès after the game, you could just tell that that was a big obstacle overcome that that banana skin had been avoided. And um, yeah, you have to say they're now very, very hot favourites to, to reclaim the title.
0: Well, let's hear what Kevin Gilley's uh, told you,
3: Gareth, full time. Every win's important, mate, but does that seem particularly significant in the in the title race? Yeah, without doubt. You know, we spoke about before the game how important the game was. It was a game we had to win. We felt, you know, just to just to keep that the feeling going, making sure that you know we cemented ourselves at the top. And I thought, I thought on the day we were brilliant. Yeah. To be honest, you know. Um, Obviously missing a few players. Again, we lost Louis Follard early, Tyler McCain, and then the boys who step in. You know, Noel Hainsworth, who's been outstanding for us since, you know, he keeps having to change position every game. It (laughs) seems he's either right back, centre back, centre mid, but he keeps coming up with performances. And Aiden as well, switched to right back. was brilliant. And I thought we created, you know, we caused them problems all afternoon. And uh, on another day, I thought we would have got three or four comfortably.
2: But, I was going to say, we're yeah. sort of like a quarter of an hour ago. You must have been almost dreading the fact that you hadn't made it, made
3: yeah, it yeah. more comfortable it's, by then. You always think, you know, when you're creating that much chances, you don't take one. You always run the risk of getting caught. Mm. But I thought, I just said to them then in the change room, we seem like a different team this season. Mm. You know, I think last season that would have got away from us. Frustration would have got in yeah. and we'd have ended up probably drawn or losing the game. But it's a bit of a belief this season. Different dimension to the team, and I thought, yeah, fair play to the lads, done yeah. really well. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, for a game of sort of that magnitude, they showed a lot of character. But uh, yeah. it was almost, I thought it's almost
3: like a typical the fact that Blair Howard should score today because it's the sort of game he thrives in, isn't it? Exactly, and that's that's why we played him in the middle today. You know, we looked at who we we're up against, what sort of conditions were, and we thought he could just go and express himself today. He'll have that bit of power over everyone, and that burst from midfield. Was was what 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 brought the goal about? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So, yeah, fair play to him.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I was watching from the other side, and yeah. the second half there's one point. Charlie Platt looked across the line. And I said, I should have about six assists here. Yeah.
3: <laughs> we said we, we we said as well. We said the amount of balls he's knocked in. Simpo, yeah. You know, Max Simpson could have had a hat trick yeah. if, if he had gambled on him, yeah. but you know he he didn't quite. He wasn't quite on it today, but you know he still did the doggy work going backwards and forward. And like I said, another day we would have got three or four, but. Yeah. Very happy with the win. Sure. Very happy with the win.
2: And, but now, defensively wise, are you going to be a bit stretched? I mean, you, well, your, your resources are sort of running a bit low now.
3: Yeah, we're digging into the barrel deeper mm-hmm. and deeper. You know, but having Saul back today was a big plus for us. Yeah, we got young Rob as well, who was ill today, unfortunately. But you know, Nile, Aiden, hopefully Tyler will be okay. Mm. You know, we'll um, we'll keep with Three games left. Yeah. We just got to just got to get through them. Yeah, it's got to get through them.
2: Yeah. yeah. And um, you know, well, we'll put you on the spot too much. you think that's now down to a two-horse race now?
3: The only way I'm thinking of it
2: is, it's in our hands.
3: Yeah, you know, it's, it's we're only thinking about ourselves. We just want to go out and win the next three games, yeah. and then that's job done. So that's all. That's all we're thinking about
1: having lost Toby uh, Oliver for the season the last thing they would have wanted was to lose another one and ten minutes into the game Louis Fallon limps off having only come back after two months out last weekend um, I suspect that's an aggravation of, uh, of his previous injury and maybe that might be enough to keep him out the rest of the season I don't know um, so yeah, you know, they're ending up playing with uh, with an 18 year old as, as, as a senior centre back, and uh, Niall Hainsworth coming into the middle, and frankly, he did an excellent job. Um, but you know, as as we said, you know, they didn't really have that much up against them when I mean, Saints in the end finishing with Chris already playing at centre forward, um, which kind of shows the, you know, their lack of options and, and, and desperation on the day. But you know, that was nervy for Rovers, They you know knew the importance of the game, and it was a you know, the first half, particularly the opening, you know, the opening fifteen minutes was was nervous. But in the end, they dominated it. And like Gareth says, you know, uh, if anybody was six yard poaching, it would have been three or four nil. And to be fair, to Louis Fowler, he didn't last very long in the game. But
2: while he was on, he did make the the vital goal line clearance within about the first half minute of the game, where a long clearance just suddenly sort of ended up going through the whole Rovers defence, and uh, lasher just beat. Um, Adam Bullock to the ball and I thought oh the Saints are going to take a very early lead there and um to be a couldn't have done much more. He got his shot on target and Louis Fallow was retreating in and uh, cleared it off the line. And after he'd done that, I don't think he needed to do any more. So
0: he, he went off injured 10 minutes later. <laughs> a big three points then for Rovers. Um, so as things stand, they've got three games left to play. Um, North, um, there are only real rivals now. Five left to play and they are eight points behind. So um, I guess as far as the title race is concerned, um, all eyes on Friday night. Um, Rovers going to Bells. And then after that, it's games against Sylvans and Rangers for them, two of the bottom three. So um,
1: yeah, the critical game now, Jim? Uh, Well, Bells beat them at the Portsmouth earlier in the season and that will, I think, prey on on Rovers' mind. Uh, There is... You know, also the fact that Bells tend to get themselves up for a, um, for, for a for a bigger challenge so yeah Friday night will be will be a, a, a big a big occasion uh, for uh, for you know for, for the destiny of the title really I mean that yeah this is probably now arguably the deciding game yeah not long to go in the
0: season um, the other senior fixture at the weekend um, was in the FA Cup Rangers 8-0 winners against Rockane Pirates um, so they're through to the last four and um, something for, for Rangers to go out as the uh, as uh, the sort of Rangers revolution uh, reaches the conclusion of its first
1: season, I think that was quite well. I mean, in, in, as it turns out, the result was a massive statement. I would have thought that was quite a big game for Rangers, you know, given that where you know where they're heading, and it seems to you know, to be a you few know, if, if bright bright spots. Um, Last year, Rockane Pirates would have given them an excellent game, would have probably beaten them, I suggest. Uh, And so they didn't want to have a banana skin here, but Rockane Pirates are not the side that they were... 12 months ago and um, you know and, and clearly although Rangers had a bit of a threadbare squad because there's so many players cut tied from playing for other Rangers teams in this tournament uh, you know they had more than enough in the end to, to win and, and again you know that's another a signal of, of, of where they are and where they believe they're going to so fair play to them. Just the two senior games then um, yeah Alderney didn't make it across um, to take on Valrack. Yeah not their fault I understand there were 13 passengers on a, on a plane leaving Alderney on Saturday morning two of those were medical cases and two had to be taken off the flight so i'm told uh, and the medical cases weren't going to go uh, and so that was uh, that was the end of the line for the, for the nomads for uh, on that occasion so you know yet another uh, unfortunate turn in their rather unfortunate season yeah, it just goes to underline doesn't it, the challenges that Alderney faced.
0: And um, yeah, I saw on Twitter on Saturday morning, James Taylor desperately trying to get hold of someone at rec to uh, to let them know if, uh, what was unfolding over there. Hopefully, they'll have more luck um, with getting Jersey over to, uh, to Alderney for that Marathi semi-final uh, in 10 days or so. Um, right, that's it for part one. Coming up next, we'll be talking refereeing. Welcome back to the Guernsey Press Football Podcast. A big week ahead for um, our island referees. Um, Friday kicks off um, uh, a charity drive that they'll be running again. Um, They raised £6,500 last season um, for three charities, uh, donning their sort of bright mint green shirts along the way. So um, yeah, we thought it'd be a good opportunity to catch up with um, a couple of referees um, to find out, well, I suppose a little bit about how their season's going, the state of refereeing in the island, and to hear a bit more about that um, charity drive. Um, So we're pleased to welcome in Brent Blondell, um, who has uh, made his return to refereeing in the last couple of years locally, and uh, by all accounts, I think very well received. Uh, and alongside him, Tom Strawbridge, who, of course, uh, not long ago was playing for Guernsey FC uh, and Rovers, who's made a very swift transition um, to refereeing, having uh, sort of dabbled with it as a, a youngster. Um, great to see him stepping up. And I began by asking them just to explain their background in the middle.
4: Uh, As a player most people will know I was probably quite vociferous to officials and one day uh, after multiple times of going in the Valrec Club after a game moaning about the officials my uncle Tony just turned around to me and said look and him being an ex-official back in the 70s and 80s said to me if you think it's that easy why don't you give it a go and me being the stubborn blondel. Just went, yeah, okay, and I went to do the course, didn't fulfil it first time. Then went back, probably when I was late twenties, early thirties, maybe something like you might remember, James. But uh, so
1: you started after me, though, didn't you? Yeah,
4: yeah, I think so. Yeah, and yeah, and I took the course, and I started refereeing whilst I was playing, and then realised how much I was actually enjoying refereeing more than playing. And knocked playing on the head until Vets and went back playing there. But yeah, uh, that's my journey. And yeah, since then I took a break, a bit of sabbatical, was busy, was busy with family, work and stuff like that. And came back three seasons ago now and I'm loving it just as much as I did when I first started. It really is brilliant. Yeah, fantastic. And,
0: and Straubs for you? Do you feel like you're in a similar position? You've, you've given enough out over the years that it's
5: time to give some back. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think that's the um, so that's the driving factor to doing it now. I think is that the games. Uh, you know, we can be quite selfish as players, and the game gives us an awful lot. And I think it's important that in 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 some vein you you, you give something back. Um, my journey is probably slightly different to Brent's. I did qualify when I was sort of seventeen and did just did a season um, which I really enjoyed, but obviously the priority at the time was 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 playing. So um, stepped away from officiating, played for a long time, but it's sort of something I always sort of had in the back of my mind to to come back to once the playing days were done. Um, you know, at the end of last season I sort of had a decision to make in terms of what what I want to do and I could I could perhaps go and do a bit, bit of preo for another year or two. But um Decided that I was pretty sick and tired of getting injured all the time, and um, and yeah, I wanted to get into refereeing whilst I can still hopefully do a decent job at a decent um, decent level of fitness. You were one of the first teenagers to start refereeing in that era, weren't you? Yeah, there weren't many of us. Um, I think was a, there was a couple of others, and we had a. I think we had a female um, official back, back then, a young female official back then as well. But um, yeah, there, it was you know there, there was a gulf between sort of the seventeen-year-olds and the and the next the next crop, which would have been you know 40, 40 plus.
1: Well, I think when I started, I was twenty-nine, and I think I was the youngest referee at the time.
5: I think the, the, the you know the part of it is you know that that's a good good age to sort of get into it though because you've had enough experience of the game enough experience of, of viewing the game of uh, you know you, you mature enough to not be a bit as impulsive as you might have been as a, as a 17 18 year old you know there's, there's all sorts of different journeys to to get there but um yeah i think early 30s is, is probably a, a good, good point
1: when you talk about your careers in, in refereeing and and how you're perceived you know we started at well, similar-ish uh times but you two had a noteworthy uh, playing career i didn't um <laughs> That's harsh. do you feel that that you you with the ba- basis of your playing career that you get better treated on the on the pitch
5: oh well i mean for me i'm obviously quite new back into it i think um in, in and i only played last year or two years so i think there's for whatever reason i do think there's a little bit of natural respect how long that lasts as as anyone's <laughs> guess that could that could um, that could waver quite quickly if uh, if i get a few things wrong but um yeah i think there there is that natural you know and, and i think people do recognise that it's not it isn't an easy job i think back in the day there was the throwaway comments of you know well you, you know if you think you can do it like Brent says if you think you can do it then you should you should go and do it but actually not many people will cross that cross that boundary into officiating
4: I I think one of the important things for people who are even vaguely considering it, you know, do I go, do I knock foot playing on the head? Do I go into coaching roles or do I become a referee? You know, one thing that helped me become a referee was the fact that you can do it on when you want to do it. You don't, you know, coaching, you've got to be there once, twice a week, training, game once a week, you know picking teams, stuff like that. With refereeing, you've got the flexibility to say, all right, I'm only available on these dates, you know. And you're involved in the game on the pitch still, you know. And that is that really does make a difference, you know, in preparation. I'd probably prepare more for a Prio game than I ever did as a player. Looked at my game, looked at, looked at the team's play and how they play. My tactical awareness is so much better now than I was when I was playing. That's
0: amazing to hear. And, stops me, you know, Brent said before that that when he made that switch from playing to to refereeing, he almost enjoyed it more um, in that role. Have
5: you got to that point yet? I mean, are you getting a lot out of it, just as a, just you know,
0: from a pure enjoyment
5: perspective? Oh yeah, I, I, I absolutely love it. I mean, I make no secret of the fact that I'd, I'd still rather be playing. To be perfectly honest, I think you know I would have liked a couple more years, but for. You know, for whatever reason, the the, the body starts start to let me down a bit, and and so that was the the decision forced. But yeah, no, I, I absolutely love it, and you know, like Brent says, it's the the transition's quite difficult. I would say in that, um, you, you I, I'm still probably officiating with a bit of a player mentality, um, and that's something that hopefully will naturally um, come away over time. Um, but the, yeah, having the support of people like Brenton and, and and some of the other officials as well from transitioning to playing from playing to refereeing is,
1: um, uh, yeah it's been been really good. Tom you were involved in the stranger cup uh, games this year as a development referee so that's your first experience actually at the prio level how did you find it? Yeah I mean it's it, it's it's different um obviously
5: I've I'd gone from doing sort of youth games to to get, getting thrown into that um but yeah really really loved it um you know, again, having assistant referees, you know, it's, it's, it's all learning. It's all it's all development, like I say, in pre-match preparation and and actually post-match as well. So um, Valewreck were kind enough to sort of supply me with the footage and I can go back over it and look at positioning. I mean, Brent, again, Brent was kind enough to sit down through the whole thing and sort of point a few things out to me and... and um, yeah, that, you know, again, it's, it's, just, it's the the world we live in now, for both playing and officiating is, is that sort of professionalism is, is really important. But yeah, the, the Stranger games were, were great, good competitive games. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And,
0: and yeah, for you, Brent, I mean, how encouraging is it for you to see someone like Straub's um, yeah, making this step you know there is a, a possibly a bit of a, an age issue with, with referees in the island you know, th- th- there's a lot of older uh, older guys doing it and, and you know you're not getting any younger um, Obviously, you need new blood and, and for someone who's kind of gone straight from playing into refereeing that must be really encouraging
4: oh yeah absolutely and I, I think I, I referee quite a few players out there that I, I think you'd make a cracking referee generally because they're telling me where I've gone wrong you know but <laughs> They Those generally are the ones, the ones have got that confidence that, you know, and you don't have to have bags of confidence to referee, but it does help, you know, and have that ability to interact with players. You know, James will tell you, Straws will tell you, man management and being able to identify who you need to work with and try and calm them down before a situation develops is... The key thing there. Well, seeing Straubs and we've got, there's a few other lads as well in the late 20s, early 30s that are coming through and, you know, over a period of time we haven't had those coming through and, you know, uh, I was just thinking on the way down here, back back in the early, in the mid-80s, early 90s at 47, I wouldn't be allowed to referee preo games because there was a 45-year age cutoff, I think and So, you know, we need these guys. We've got to keep them interested. We've got to dangle those carrots out and make sure that they're getting the games. But that's going to take learning. They're they're going to have to understand the games. You know, Straub's done a couple of stranger games, you know, but there's a lot more that's going to be thrown in, in front of him before he's, you know, fully confident and fully ready to go.
1: But that's one of the great things of refereeing isn't it you learn every single time you you take to the pitch you know you never know when something's going to crop up that you've never seen before.
4: Yeah one of my one of my things to my assistants is always literally until the 90th minute it could be a 7-0 one-sided and then suddenly something can go in the 92nd minute and there's hell and if you're not ready for it then you're, you lose total control and there could be something pretty bad happen.
1: Yeah, you can't switch
4: off. Never, never.
1: Tom, when you were a player, what was your um, uh, pet hate from from a referee, yeah, at local or indeed at um, GFC level?
5: Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty easy one. It's the, the uh, snobbish lack of interaction would be the thing that, that I really struggled with. You know, I'd... Um, I don't mind a, a referee that's willing to sort of give me an explanation as to what they've seen. Um, you know, I'm, I'm talking now as a 33 year old. I probably as a 21 year old might not have to, quite the same the same attitude. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, having, having a ref that's, you know, I don't, to, for want of a breath, very sort of a bit obnoxious and, and like, I'm right, you're wrong. You know, with, with the player's hat on, that's, that's just, it, it just doesn't work. Like, like Brent was saying, sort of man management is the is the key to officiating. It's not actually your decision making, it's how you deal with the decisions, I think, and how you, you interact with the players and, and manage the expectations. So. Yeah, I think that that was my real pet hate was was um, a, a lack of engagement. Sometimes, sometimes you don't deserve to be engaged with, right? The way you speak, but for the most part, I think if you can got a, got a ref that's willing to talk to you and explain at the right times, then uh, that that was the best thing. Yeah.
1: I, I don't know how many GFC officials know the players that they're that they're refereeing. Obviously, in Guernsey, you know, if you don't know ninety percent on the pitch, it's uh, it's a strange occasion, isn't it? Do you think that helps or or hinders a referee? I don't, I, I don't think you know, I don't think you necessarily need to know
5: know the players. I mean you you I think you need more buying from the from the captains I think if you if you're a referee that's not experienced with this particular group of players you probably do need more buying um from the captains and but that, again that's a that's a management thing I you know you'll soon figure out if you in my experience if you you'll soon figure out how you need to manage certain personalities on the pitch so it's probably within the first 10 or 15 minutes you probably work that out I would say but I don't think it is an advantage nor a disadvantage to, to know the players. Yeah.
4: totally agree. It's, it's well, I haven't got so much experience as Tom has with uh, playing at you know'll be officiating a GFC level, but even when I referee Jersey teams, I was lucky enough to do two Jersey teams in the Jeremy Cop earlier this season and not going into there. You prepare differently. You try and get footage of them, try and understand how, and it's more about how they're playing. It's not picking out players, it's not stuff. But you know, in the first ten minutes, I knew two or three from both sides that i will just have a chat with as I'm as they're walking past, and just like you know, because I know they're they they were interacting, you know, and they're generally the vociferous ones.
0: Is that something that all referees do, locally? Or
4: it's it's not easy to do. It's not easy to do. I, I you know. It's things you've got you eat some it comes naturally too I've been told before, you know, but by Mr. Follar, I think you know, I wish i you know i hope I don't know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but uh I wish I was able to interact like you do, you know because and it does come naturally for some, but it's something you can it's just social interaction with people and you know realizing that you're equals on there you know you're there to facilitate a game of football and make sure they follow the laws of the game and you use a stepped approach is best you know sometimes people go from step one to step five and you've got no choice but red card or or SIM bin. you know and that's another useful thing that's been brought in for us is over here is being able to use the bin.
0: Of course, you know we see endless discussion at the top level of the game about referees and, and VAR has obviously kind of uh, intensified that, that 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 kind of um, that chat as well in the last couple of years. Do, you know, for, for you guys as, as local referees, does that does the environment around kind of top level refereeing and the, the reaction they get does it make it harder for you to do your job in Guernsey or, or you know to do? do you find players actually and kind of supporters can separate the two.
4: I don't think you will ever. Ever get away from the fact that players and supporters will object at a referee's decision, no matter what the level is, you know. But what I would just say is if the guys who are getting paid 150, 200 grand a year are getting mistakes with all the technology, have uh, some empathy with us guys who are grassroots level, you know. and trying to facilitate a game of football we're going to get things wrong that I would put my hands up I would get things wrong every game you know but hopefully I don't get the game changing decisions wrong
0: and what's your sense you know this season we're sort of approaching the business end of things what's your sense of of whether things are getting better or worse on that front in terms of the way referees are treated by, by players and spectators
5: I, th- I think we're living. A- we're going to we're living a bit of a bubble. I think we're we're relatively protected, and that might be just because everyone knows, you know everyone knows each other. But um, you know, I, I just going back to Brent's point slightly. There is that I think I, I do think that the the um, top level stuff is helping to a certain extent in that it, people are going right. It's not an easy job, no matter what level you're doing it at. It's not not an easy job. But what I would say is they. They often the problem about the media stuff is that the focus is often on the decisions that they don't get right, whereas the the um, you know the analysis the video proves them right way more than it way more than it proves them them wrong. And I, I from a media perspective, I'd like to see a little bit of a shift in, in you know rather than for, and, I, and, I, and I completely understand why there, there is the focus on the incorrect decisions, but I would really really like to sort of for someone to sit down for a for a, a, a game and go look. the Okay, that was that was a, a bad decision, or that was an incorrect decision. But look how many that that they've been proven right with. Um, and I think there's, you know, that whether that ever happens or not, unlikely. But I think you know when like it's, even small things, throw-ins and stuff, and you think, well, that's never that's never a red throw, and you'll see a replay replay close-up and 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 going, oh yeah, it's proved him right. Just small things.
1: Um, it, but on the other side of that, I mean, <laughs> the small things. Quite often, it's the throw-in on the
4: halfway line. Why
1: are we making or why are people making such a song and dance about a on the halfway line? You know, absolutely, it's, it's, it's not a goal-scoring uh, opportunity.
4: Absolutely, you know, and and that's where another thing you know, Tom's been my assistant mm-hmm. before. It's always speak to my assistants. It's get these small things right, build the trust with the players and supporters. You get the small things right, then when there's something slightly more game-changing. Then you've built that trust up. That he's got that one right. He's got that one right. You know, let's build that trust.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not no saint uh, on a football pitch, but it just does annoy me the culture um, of of just appe- you know, both sides appealing for every single decision as if it's like categorically gone their way. When you know, you you, you know, a little bit more kind of. It's probably it's probably naive thinking, but a little more generous spirit saying, well, you know, that clearly came off me. You know, it's, it's, it's your free kick or it's your foul or
1: your throw Did you know the, the best game I ever had to referee was when uh, my first son was about six months old and I was at Boces on a Saturday morning uh, and I came out with uh, him in the pram uh, and I wandered up onto the top pitch to see if there was a game. And there was a game and there had no referee. <laughs> and I said, right, well, i got my whistle in my car. But I've also got a pram with me, so I'm happy to do it. But all I'll be doing is standing on the on the uh, on the touch line, on the halfway line, and watching the game from there, and I'll give those decisions right because I've got to be holding the pram <laughs> with the other hand, kind of thing. And so the teams accepted it, and there were certain circumstances on the far side of the pitch where uh, the ball would go out of play, and the player would just pick it up and hand it to the <laughs> hand it to the other team, and you know the. The way that the players, uh, you know, were grateful to get a game on in that scenario rather than, you know, continue to be um, uh, idiots, uh, perhaps you could say, which somebody could have easily have done. Uh, was was quite a joy, you know, and uh, that was very,
0: very well enjoyable. Maybe the answer then is for all referees to have prams. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly.
5: Self-governed games. Yeah, so, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Just stand on the sidelines.
0: And, and Straub, you're fresh this weekend from, uh, from being in the middle in the, uh, uh, hopefully not too angry and uh, agitated under-11s uh, schoolboy marathi. How did that go?
5: Yeah, no, it was a, a really entertaining game for the neutral and, and very enjoyable to be in the middle for as well, yeah. Um, Guernsey got off to a a good start, 2-0 up with about 15, 16 minutes on the clock I think and then um, Jersey sort of came back into it right towards the end of the first half and, and with the last player they, they scored with about five minutes ago, and then with the last play they got, got it back to 2 all, which I think would have probably been a, quite a key moment for them to get back into it. Um, second half I think there was a, a, few, a few substitutions and um, I, I would say Jersey were on top um, and, and probably good value for their um, 5-3 win, yeah.
1: To be fair, there's nothing like a last-minute equaliser in a morassi, is there?
4: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we won't go there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Strops, um, obviously, you're, you're still sort of fairly early or still fairly young in your um, your refereeing journey, but, I mean, what kind of ambitions do you have? Do you, do you see yourself kind of trying to take, take it as far as you can?
5: Um, yeah, for the first couple of years, it's, it's trying to progress as, as much as possible locally. Um, you know, sort of... A, a sort of a side benefit, I suppose, would be if if I can get to to level five and um, give give other ex players a, a, a you know a, a pathway or you know at least sort of go oh you know it, it can be done. Um, so yeah, I suppose it's double pronged in my perspective. Is I want to get as high locally as I can and and. You know, not, you know create some sort of some, some sort of pathway or some sort of knowledge that people can get get into it and, and succeed in it um, beyond that yeah I, I don't know there's obviously there's that big stretch of water in the middle which is causes of a, bit, a bit of a problem but yeah I'd, I'd, I'd love to be get the opportunity to go away to the to uk and 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 do some stuff over there and you know it would need financial planning it would need some some support from from local fa's and probably an fa in the uk but uh, yeah uh, that you know i'm I'm not sort of drawing any lines on sort of how far i want to get if i you know if if i if i can i'll I'll certainly give it give it my best go yeah for sure Uh,
4: the local society and the gfa working we're working together more closely than ever to We're going to be looking to put some youth development stuff on for some of the younger referees to get them more in, into the refereeing community because sometimes they've been a cast adrift because of the age group, age difference and that. But I'd like to see over the next couple of years at least sending some officials away to do FA Vars, FA, FA Cop earlier rounds. I don't know if you've done them, Jim. I did one. I've done two. No, I've did two. Uh, and ultimately... I would like to see us. the The dream for me would be to see someone refereeing at the GFC levels. At least there is there is a pathway in the FA. If we could get the right sponsorship and funding for the right person, because it's a lot of commitment and a lot of ability is needed. But there's no reason why we couldn't see someone refereeing uh, Alex Scott in years to come.
0: Yeah, it'd be fantastic. I mean, yeah, how how long would it take to get there do you think?
4: Yeah. Uh, the the FA have I think I'm right in saying have understood they've made a mistake or two along the way and they're pushing people through a lot, I think. I think you're probably looking if you go from start over here and you wanted to get to say national league, you're looking 5 to 10 years. You know, and I think Premier League, you probably look in 15 years if you, but those are the elite of the elite, you know, you know, if you think how many players play in the Premier League compared to how many referees there are in the Premier League. So, yeah, but it's, it's an it's got to be there. That's got to be the carrot.
1: But let's face it, those guys are people who at the age of 16, 17, 18 have decided, actually, I'm not going to be a player. Yeah. I'm going to be a referee. We're, we're talking in Guernsey about recruiting guys who've been a player and at the age of, say, 30, uh, want to come and start whistling. That yeah. That's, that's the dream because they tend to be the, the stickier ones. You know, even if you get... Five ten years out of a out of a referee—that's a result. Um, all very well recruiting, you know. So when Tom was recruited as a teenager, they think excellent. You know, one year later, oh no, I want to play. You know, I don't, I don't really want a referee, and that happens far too often. You know, so the the Guernsey target is tended to be the you know the 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 early thirties uh, official, and I think that's uh, that's you know the way forward. But of course, I, your chance of developing in the UK from that age is is gone, really, isn't it? Largely,
4: yeah, but I. I, I tend to disagree because I think there would be opportunities there to go and partner with another association like a Hampshire or a Sussex or you know or speaking with GFC their contacts in the uh, Isthmian League and pushing people that way you know because we're we're, we're at step we're at level 5 maximum we can do over here we can get to level 4 which is a slightly abridged version of level 4 the GFC guys are level 3 it's not but it would be a lot of commitment and there would be money involved. Yeah. And But there's no reason why you can't, if you get enough 17, 18 year olds, you know, and I'm going to say this now, if he had stuck uh, refereeing because he was a natural from the start, Tom, uh, I think he could have made it.
0: Well, it would be great. I mean, we're, you know, we're rightly very proud and celebrate the players that go off Ireland and and do well and represent the island and and, and kind of push things on. But, you know, coaches and and referees, it'd be great to see the same happening. So um, before we let you go, uh, tell us about what's coming up this month then, because, yeah, it's it's a big one for for local referees. You're raising money um, with your sort of charity drive.
4: Yeah, so once again, we did a charity drive uh, the season before last, I think it was, or last season. And we're doing it again this year. We were so successful with the support of uh, our sponsors, uh, James Gave Architects, uh, Infinity Infinity Group, and uh, Spirit, and with the referees, the clubs, the supporters, and players who all dug deep. We raised over six and a half thousand pounds. You know, three great charities: uh, Stand Up To Cancer, Guernsey Motor Neurone, and the Guernsey Alzheimer's Association. You know, we're doing it again starting this Friday. We're doing it for nine days, nine, ten days. Uh, and the majority of referees will donate all their fees that they get for that week to charity. There's going to be collection boxes. we got a Just Giving page. Uh, if you just go on to Just Giving or look on social media, plenty of people sharing it and yeah please donate and dig deep
0: yeah really good initiative and um, we'll make sure we put the link to the just giving in the uh, the show notes um of the podcast and we'll we'll share it on social media as well um yeah are you gonna be donning special shirts
4: for this occasion as well uh yes that's an important one we will be donated uh or i forget what color they are a mint green i'd a say mint, a mint Something green like yeah mint green so we'll be wearing those and the GFA have kindly agreed once again that in for the FA Cup final we'll be also wearing those same coloured shirts and if you see people around the ground with a collection box feel free to go and stick in some coins or a note or two
0: brilliant well um let's hope you can uh, match last year's or if not um, beat it um that's a good target there and uh, yeah fantastic to, to see it happening so yeah well done um thanks guys for coming in
4: thank, thank you. you for having
0: we'll us. see you uh, out in the middle i'm sure before the end of the season <laughs> lots of football to, to get through so uh, yeah wish you all the best
4: yeah looking cheers. forward to it cheers
0: Brent Blondell and Tom Strawbridge speaking to me and Jim there. Um, yeah, really good to hear from them. Uh, I mean, Jim, you obviously heavily involved in the officiating side of things. Well,
1: um, well not so much uh, anymore, Tony, but I do uh, try to keep my hand in uh, where I can. Uh, you know, I, I agree with the lads. It's always been a very uh, rewarding um, uh, involvement in, in football uh, refereeing. And I think Uh, It definitely uh, helps you to see the game from from a different perspective, and uh, I do sometimes wish that other people might take the opportunity to uh, to get a bit more clued up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think just encouraging as well, or or, you know, for you, you know, someone who obviously enjoys refereeing there is so much or there can be a lot of negativity around around refereeing whether it's you know as we say at at the top level at professional game the the kind of the criticism the abuse you know we're constantly sort of talking about a lack of referees but actually when you hear those two guys speak about how much they just simply enjoy doing it there's got to be a few more people out there who would get that same pleasure if uh, you know if they
1: sort of got the right opportunities or or kind of put themselves forward well I made the point in in the interview the as as Decent, well-respected ex-players, they hold a massive advantage uh, to start. So anybody who's played a number of games at, at prior level will always be uh, considered to, to be a, um, uh, a you know, t- to have an advantage when they start taking the whistle. But... Refereeing potentially is is for everybody, you know. All uh, all shapes and sizes and all mannerisms on, on the pitch can uh, can work, and it is a, an area where uh, you can go from you know football zero to to kind of hero. Um, you know, I would never have played a Marathi, but I've uh, lined at the maratti and that's a uh, and Guernsey one, nothing to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and that you know, so that's the you know, the, the pinnacle of uh, of my uh, refereeing. Career. Career and uh, yeah, I, mean, uh, I kind of worked hard for that, and uh, I think that's a, a great reward. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, while
0: we're on the subject of referees, a big shout out to Luke Pattemore who um, stepped into referee uh, Indies Div three game against Rovers um, yesterday. Not sure what happened to the uh, the scheduled ref, but um, Luke was on hand to, to step in at last well, minute. That
1: was very good of Luke to 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 put his gear on and step in. But I, I found myself questioning his sanity of why he would have gone down to watch that game. <laughs> <laughs> he must have heard the rumors
2: that Kerr was gonna be
0: turning out, you know. Yeah that always doubles the crowd to four. <laughs> <laughs> Almost scored within about five seconds of uh, of coming off the bench as well. Just lacking a bit of conviction with my finishing. But, you know, Almost I was gonna say
2: lacking a bit of pace there for a minute.
0: Lacking a bit of quality. Almost being the the key word in yeah. that sentence, to Tony. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, it was a good moment. Uh Let's move on. Um, let's talk GFC because a uh, bit of an up and down week after their good form of late. Um, they drew one all away at Uxbridge on Saturday. Um, good point there. But that followed quite a flat performance, it's fair to say, um, on Wednesday night um, at home against Merston, one of their um, relegation rivals. Um, GFC, 34 points, a uh, couple of places outside the relegation playoffs in the Isthmian South Central. Oh. It is Murston who are two places below um, three points back now Having played the same number of games. Um, yeah I suppose given what we saw Jim on, on Wednesday night it was um, a good result to bounce back and take a point on
1: Saturday yeah I mean that that comes across as a very decent away point that they gained at the weekend but yeah I mean, disappointing on Wednesday night you know, disappointing performance seemed to take GFC an awful long time to wake up and it seemed that, you know, that Ross Allen was kind of the you know the only person really uh, making things happen in that second half I mean he scored the goal he it was he who created the chances that, that didn't go in it, it just a surprise you know GFC, you know the, the the demands of playing at this level kind of all seemed to uh, to gang up on them in the first half, and, and you know, every time that Murston got the ball in a uh, in an attacking area, it seemed to come as a bit of a surprise to the back line. It was all kind of you know they were reacting on, on, on they were on the back foot the, the the whole time in terms of their defending. Uh, whereas you thought in the in the circumstances that GFC might have even been favourites for that game, but it just didn't uh, didn't happen for them on the night. I suppose you know when with this relentless demand in this leave sometimes you're just going to fall off on occasion yeah speaking to um tony vance after the after
2: that one before they went to oxbridge it he was talking about his frustration of that performance, but he also he, he said he said he didn't actually really sort of he should have back trusted himself in making a few changes before that game because I think he felt that um, there was some fatigue setting in. I mean, it had been a long, hard period of sort of uh, midweek games on top of the weekend games as they caught up and sort of nine games in four weeks. And I think um, Tony just felt that they could have perhaps done with some freshening up, and he decided almost against it. He wanted to keep faith with those who had done well over that period. And I think it just sort of ended up paying the price, and he ended up t- deciding to give Ross and Matt Loring a, a rest at the weekend, and they got- they get a decent point out of it. So, you know, it- it's-, it's one of those things in in the in the big scheme of things, um, the loss to Merseys. It- it's a disappointment on the night, but actually they they continue to head in the right direction, sort of since the difficulties of of sort of like the end of two thousand and twenty two.
0: Yeah, and they've got those midweek games sort of behind them now, um, just the one game a week um, through to the end of the season. Back-to-back home games as well to come against Chipstead and Southall in the next couple of weekends. um, Ed, um just one place above them. So, um, you know, put an opportunity there to get three points. And as you say, um, with a few fresh legs around as well, Charlton Govine making his return uh, along with Wolf so So, um, yeah, some good news for GFC uh, heading into the
1: business end of the season. I mean, a, a couple more wins there now. And frankly, you know, they, that season will be over and uh, hopefully we can start with a bit more focus on the on the Maratti and then into the island games. Absolutely. Um, right, that's it for us this week. Um, we'll be back next week
0: with another Guernsey Press football podcast. Our thanks again um, to Rehoy and Son for their support of the show. Um, yeah, and a busy week next week, in fact. Um, we'll be reflecting on GFC's um, home outing against Chipstead and looking ahead to the Marathi semi final and the under 16 Marathi, as well as another home game for GFC. Uh, and I suppose talking about that Ravens Bells game. So we'll see how that one goes. Um, cheers, guys. We'll see you next week. Cheers, Tony. Cheers.